Welcome to the Love Positivism podcast. I'm Shireen Oberg and I'm a yoga teacher and author devoted to the path of healing and heart-based living. And I want to help you to step into what you truly are and to your highest potential. On this podcast, I share with you tools and insights to help you move ever forward on your spiritual and healing path. With guests from all over the world, from different wisdom traditions, I wish to create a web of loving energy that permeates the whole world to create more love and peace. You can connect with me on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube for more guidance and love. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. And I'm so excited to be here today together with Marguerite Rigolioso. She's the founding director of Seven Sisters Mystery School and a scholar practitioner of the ancient Mediterranean mystery tradition. Uh, She's the author of The Cult of Divine Birth in Ancient Greece and Virgin Mother Goddesses of Antiquity. And she's the foremost authority on the history of virgin birth and the author of the bold new book, The Mystery Tradition of Miraculous Conception, Mary and the Lineage of Virgin Births. She has taught many graduate and undergraduate courses in the US and the UK, and in 2012 founded her own Seven Sisters Mystery School, through which she has been teaching about the sacred feminine and mentoring clients on the evolutionary spiritual path. She's also the author, oh yeah, the author of Virgin Mother Goddesses of Antiquity and the Cult of Divine Birth in Ancient Greece. Marguerite, I'm so happy and excited to talk to you today. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Shireen. I'm just so amazed by your work. I've been, as I told you before, I've been listening to all the talks that you've done and all the interviews that you've done. And I feel like something is really awakening in me when I listen to you. So I would love for you to, for those that might have not uh, heard your other talks uh, on any other show, if you want to just yeah, tell us a little bit about your path and journey to where you are right now. Right, right. Um, yes, so it's been a long road, a decades long road. And, you know, some highlights along the way include having uh, had an awakening to the goddess back when I was in my 30s. Uh, through studies that I was doing and then trips to ancient Greece and um, a women's spirituality program that I participated in in the Boston area. Then I went to the California Institute of Integral Studies and got my master's and PhD basically in women's spirituality. And that has led to me teaching me writing the three books that you mentioned, and eventually me founding Seven Sisters Mystery School, as you said, and um, bringing us up to the present time where a lot of the focus of my work is on bringing forth Mother Mary as um, a mentor, a master who became a goddess, and so forth. 
And then most recently, I'm, I'm talking about and teaching about Guinevere and Arthur and sort of the hidden history. And I have a, an upcoming class on June 15, 2022, um, for anybody who's listening. And of course, that will be in replay um, indefinitely. So th those are just a few of the little highlights, because otherwise, we would definitely be here for hours. <laughs> yeah, you, I mean, when I listen to different talks with you, I see, I pick up some of the pieces here and there. There's such a long journey with this, and um, you've you've talked about like all the academic work that you've done, and 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 all of that part, and then your journeys, and and also just working with everything from channeling to like really studying something. And to me. Um, I feel that your work right now is so important because you are bringing forward uh, our Divine Mother, which is like everything. To me, that's that's like that is the source of everything and of all of creation. And I think for many of us who work with this uh, type of work, have seen that in one or another way in our visions or some like she shows that to us that it is the the one that births everything and i think that it's really interesting because your your path went from i'm also very interested in your so you have the seven uh, sisters mystery school the name of that and then also the connection with uh, the oracles of greece and the priestesses how did that whole thing like lead in for you into the work that you're now sharing with Mother Mary and, and the Miraculous Conception? Yes. Back in 2012, when I founded the school, I was in the shower trying to figure out what would be the name of it. And I went through various iterations and eventually it just hit me. Seven Sisters Mystery School. Um, because Seven Sisters references the Pleiades as the seven starry mothers of the Pleiadian, the Pleiades constellation, if you will, or asterism. And I knew from my research into divine birth that they were considered by the ancient Greeks and many people around the world as seven starseed mothers of humanity that their DNA has in large part gone into our DNA and that there's a long history between the Pleiades and earth and humans and so forth. And that that history has gone through many different iterations, positive and negative, but that those seven sisters were considered not only starseed mothers, but virgin mothers of humanity. They were considered, um, you know, sovereign in and of themselves. And it was through a series of sort of forced interactions in a way that they united with certain um, beings on the other side of the veil and gave birth to lineages, okay? But the they, they are associated with virgin birth. They are also associated with oracles on planet earth, in particular, the Oracle of Dodona where the priestesses there were called Peleades, meaning doves, meaning Pleiades. The, the word Peleades and Pleiades is 
and doves are identical because there's a story in ancient Greece that these star sister beings were also considered doves or they became doves um, at a certain point. So this is telling us that the Oracle of Dodona, for example, was a place where the priestesses were channeling information from the Pleiades. And then of course, there's the more famous Oracle of Delphi, um, which has a kind of a different lineage in terms of who the priestesses were channeling. But also what I find is that Dodona and Delphi, the names of the priestesses and their children were all divine birth stories. These were miraculous conceptions by them having sort of an astral um, sexual encounter with, with various males, which is along the trajectory of divine birth from like pure parthenogenesis or virgin birth, like Mother Mary, without any male actor at all, all the way to, you know, Tantra of a king and a queen. So there's a whole series of things that, and, and an evolution of that practice that I talk about in all of my books. So that also, again, ties in Mother Mary because when I started researching divine birth and understanding all the many connections in antiquity in the Western Mediterranean, you know, in the Mediterranean world, but throughout the world, um, I began to understand that the scope and the importance of the divine birth function as a practice that high holy women would use to bring specific avatars to the planet to help humanity and therefore, by looking at that material in ancient Greece, I was able to understand Mother Mary a lot more comprehensively and get a real picture of, of what she was up to. And that's what I offer to the world in my latest book, The Mystery Tradition of Miraculous Conception. And then moving forward to King Arthur and Guinevere, while I was researching virgin birth, I came upon their stories. And in reading them, I realized there are several divine conception and divine birth stories there. And so I'm bringing that into the picture now with my latest work and my class. That is really, really interesting. How, so did that happen on a, like an intellectually scholar level that you started reading and seeing connections or was it also coming to you on a different level, like in your consciousness with uh, King Art? And, and I would love to learn more about this, the, this uh, these stories and the energy behind it as well, if you want to share. Yeah, I mean, um, so the question was, uh, did it come intellectually or, or intuitionally? So for the first time I really understood virgin birth was in 2001, I was standing in my brother's apartment and I had just read um, a book in, in Italian called Meteres, Mothers by Anna Maria Corradini. And she was talking about the Demeter and Persephone relationship, the mother-daughter goddesses and how basically Persephone was born parthenogenetically from Demeter. In other words, in a virgin fashion, this is a story older than Zeus coming and raping Demeter and so forth. And the way she was talking about this and kind of matriarchy and all of that, I just had this intuitional flash that was almost like when I had used sacred medicines, it was that strong. And I just went tilt and I just thought, oh my gosh, virgin birth is something that's real. 
So when I started in investigating priestesses of ancient Greece with the idea that I was going to write a major work on all of the mentions of ancient priestesses and really study what they were about and so forth, I started, I had that hypothesis in my mind and I started finding a tremendous amount of information to back it up that virgin birth was real and who the priestesses were that were involved in this, where they resided in, in historical texts, where they resided in what they call legend, which I think are a, a form of history, where they reside in myth, which I also think are a form of history. So it began as an intellectual exercise, but along the way, I had a few ceremonies using sacred medicines where I got other levels of downloads more than that, though, was my intuition while I was writing. I would be typing or I would be reading and I would get more and more downpours, things that I would intuit. And then I would have to go and find evidence for it in the literature. So it was really like a figure eight kind of process where I was using intellect and intuition. So I'll pause there and see what you'd like to look at next. Yeah. And was that also the case with uh, Arthur and Guinevere in the same way? So with Arthur and Guinevere, um, I had always been somewhat aware of their story. And it always resonated with me because it's in Western culture, right? At some point, and I think... I'm not sure if it was while I was doing the research on virgin birth or after I published my first book, The Cult of Divine Birth in Ancient Greece, but mm -hmm. I came upon um, written material. And I think one of the major ones was Sara Perini in Italy. Mm -hmm. She has a book on uh, queens and priestesses of the Avalonian age or something like that. It might have been her book or it might have been a few other things that I started looking into and reading. And that's when I realized when I started looking into their stories, I so clearly was able to understand how King Arthur was conceived. Um, mm -hmm. You know, for example, one of the things that I learned in my work with ancient Greece is that whenever you have a story that says, oh, this woman conceived um, this person and this person on the same night, or this, per this woman had sex with her husband in the likeness of a god, or, you know, you know you're dealing with the territory of divine birth. So in King Arthur's situation, what you have is his mother, Igrain, had sex uh, one night, not with her husband. It was with Uter Pendragon. And this was through a magical spell that Merlin had done to make Uter Pendragon look like her husband, you see. So once I read that, I was like, oh my God, this is a divine conception, right? This is all the shards that we have of the story but there's far more underneath that. And when I started looking at some of the stories of the other characters and the other women, it was a whole 
piece of information that came through that it's going to be a major part of the course because this is partly also what connects King Arthur um, with Jesus in that same lineage, basically. And it's what connects Guinevere with both Mother Mary and Mary Magdalene. So there's a lot more to it. I'm, I'm just giving little teases um, of what we're gonna be talking about in that course, but it's giving you examples of how I'm able to extrapolate from the research I've done into it. And it's, it's almost like, you know, when you, when you develop yourself intuitively, which I have done, and I did go to psychic training school from, I would say 2009, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, you know, for several years, maybe three years at least, um, you cultivate an open state. And then I was also occasionally using sacred medicines to open my consciousness. So when you're doing that, and then you're also reading material, you see it in a much more expanded um, intuitional way. So that's how I've been working for decades now, you know, a couple of decades. Yeah, that's amazing. And I, I just love the way you, so there's so many connections that you're making that is also new, like this is like new things that you're bringing out, or maybe it is, has been known, but not maybe like this big, right? Because yeah. I, I was actually, so there's two interesting things. Uh, a couple of, it must have been like a month or two ago, I was uh, on the Hay House app and I saw um, this um, book about uh, Anna, the grandmother of Jesus. Yes. It's the channeled one that you've been speaking about. And I actually started listening to this. So somehow it, it it's all connected. We're like connecting together through these. I didn't even realize like that you would speak about that. And, and then in the book I, uh, and in your talks, you talk about. So you're, um, what I love is that now we have moved into like even further forward in the timeline from when you speak I, I'm just looking in the book so you you start to speak about the, the goddess that I'm working with uh, Inanna or Ishtar um, and how her I would love to for you to explain maybe a lot of people are not aware of the connections moving forward in this line from uh, goddess Inanna and then all the way up, and now we're all the way up to Guinevere and, and King Arthur. It's so amazing. Can you share that as well? Yeah, yeah. Well, what you start seeing with the goddess Inanna, the Sumerian goddess, meaning ancient Iraq, right? Ancient um, Mesopotamia. Um, <clears throat> there were priestesses of Inanna, who engaged in sacred marriage rites with uh, priest kings. And there's not a lot of literature to, to, to look at, but there is some, and there's a really wonderful anthology called Sacred Marriage or Sacred Marriages. It's, it's an anthology, um, I'm not recalling I could go, it's right over there. The, the authors are right over there. But um, 
they look, they have articles that look at some of this material. And then I developed this a bit in my book, The Mystery Tradition of Miraculous Conception, when I talk about Anne and I talk about their predecessor, Sarah, the biblical mother of Isaac, the biblical wife of Abraham in the Hebrew tradition. And by looking at that ancient material of priestesshoods of Inanna, the um, Naditu priestesses, uh, the N priestesses, you know, these are some of the names of them, the titles that they were given. I'm able to understand them in the context of divine birth priestesshoods and what they were doing and how Anne's predecessor, Sarah, going back at least to 3000 BC, perhaps, was probably an N or Naditu priestess. And I, I go through all the evidence that Savina Tubal has written in her book, um, Sarah the Priestess. I analyze that and I add my own information to it to show that I believe that Sarah was a divine birth priestess and that the context was these N, Naditu, and um, Lucor priestesses, okay, all associated with Inanna through the ancient mythography and through the ancient imagery. So priestesses of Inanna seem to have been engaged in some kind of divine conception or divine birth or divine, let's say, sacred marriage ritual. Now, one thing that ends up happening is scholars will deny that this was ever about creating a child. Makes no sense at all why they would do that, but this is part of what academia does to put veils over things. I mean, when I trace it back, um, sacred marriage rites were always intended for a divine conception of a divine child. So Inanna's priestesses, certain aspects or sectors of Inanna's priestesses were involved in this. And then this is a, this is a stream that you find throughout much of antiquity in the West. Um, these, these divine birth processes, practices, encounters, and so forth. And so this brings us up to the present day, or not so much the present day, but at least you know, the times of Arthur and Guinevere, which are roughly dated to around, you know, the 500s um, after Jesus, although we don't know, this could be a prehistoric story that predates Jesus, actually. Uh, but you start understanding um, material about what happened on their wedding night, Guinevere and Arthur's wedding night in a whole different way. And that's something I won't go into in detail here, but we are going to go into it in the course that is going to tie it into divine birth. And then that also brings us forward into the royal lineages of the British Isles and perhaps worldwide that continued on. And what were their rights? What were their practices? what what was their what were their conceptions all about and was the process actually hijacked by negative forces so that these rituals of conception would take a negative turn and therefore they would be bringing in a different type of child 
onto the earth plane that was no longer a Christed avatar. Mm. Yeah. And as you have a lot of dots here. Mm. Exactly, because you you have so many references, like from everything that you've read and also the Gnostic texts, which I'm very interested in. And uh, and yeah, the old Sumerian stories, the, the stories from Mesopotamia. Uh, how all of this has evolved and sometimes we when we think about the world and our life we're always like in this time frame somehow with we are so narrow when we're just looking in the now but we have such a long history and even so long that we cannot even uh, like think about it but we have so much old texts uh, written and everything is so clear but no one wants to see the truth and everyone is just like bound into this this world worldly worldly uh, way of living and then then things that are so uh, miraculous and divine just as conception becomes very normalized and uh, taken for granted <clears throat> And we for, have forgotten so many, like you say, also uh, rituals and practices. And we can see that where we are today is so much linked to what happened, started happening maybe 5,000 years ago in, in our history. It's so clear that something shifted. So I think yeah. that's very interesting. That That is very interesting. Something did mm. shift. And I have studied the work of Maria Gimbutas, mm -hmm. the Lithuanian archeologist who looked at old Europe and she sees those very marks that mm -hmm. about 5,000 years ago, you see a change in the iconography and it goes mm -hmm. from goddess venerating and female oriented and, and harmonious uh, depictions to warring. Mm -hmm. And it, it just seems that there was some kind of shift that happened on the planet. Mm, yeah. And a lot of other people come in then, um, mm. oracles, and many oracles the world over have been talking about alternative histories mm. of what was really going on. And, uh, you know, we have, we have our people, our, our oracles, our writers, our dis, uh, disclosure people who are really talking about much different histories than, than what we've been taught. Mm. Yeah, and exactly because just because we have learned a certain type of history doesn't mean that it's correct because the, yeah. the history books are kind of like the news we're watching. It's not that accurate sometimes. No, it's not accurate at all. In fact, yeah. it's specifically injected with programming mm. on the part of these negative forces that came in mm. and just figured out what institutions they needed to take over in order to get this different history um, promulgated and perpetuated mm. through the academic means. Mm. Yeah, and and I think it's a, but it's so interesting that that th we still have like evidence of this, and when we do get into it, we see that there was a shift when um, a, some type of more enslavement. That's uh, happened and um, and it's so interesting how people can still 
although the evidence is there, you still worship that energy, um, which is based on fear and, and not on like full divine wisdom that comes from within and, and, and takes it's it's very interesting because I'm also looking into being uh, Kurdish myself and I've seen that um, so in in our culture there's a lot of spirituality naturally still in our language and everything uh, something that you might love to know is that in Kurdish um, so if if a woman is pregnant it's uh, it's called that she's Two life, and that's that's how we say it. Dugian. Um, when you're birthing, we don't have a word for birth like in Swedish and English. The birth is called to come from the mother, to come of the mother. Yeah. So if you say like happy birthday, it's like happy. Uh, happy day of coming from the mother so language also like how has language evolved to to hinder us to understand how like that yeah right it locks us into certain concepts and it erases Mm -hmm. others yeah exactly yeah so interesting and also when you look at these ancient uh stories it's so clear that there has been and and also the depictions if we just look at depictions from um like when we look at ishtar or in in egypt like all of these you can see that it's always like hybrids of different like look it it looks like a person but with other types of traits and it's so so it's so visible that it might have also been as ancient culture says, and also as tribes still say, that it's also beings from other worlds that have uh, visited us. And it it doesn't mean that they have stopped doing that. It's still going on, but in different ways, right? Exactly. I mean, really good point. You know, we have visual evidence right in front of our eyes for various things mm-hmm. um, in in so around the world in the archaeological record and yet everyone just brushes it off in academia as oh a mythological quote depiction Mm -hmm. as though it's not real as though it didn't have three-dimensional reality and uh so this is again how the obfuscation continues how things are hidden and then when there are scholars and people who try to uh, provide alternative views, they're laughed out of academia. So they have to go outside of academia and they will find their audience. But, you know, academia is just a place by and large where the mystery, the magic and the interdimensionality of things is uh, taken out of the picture. Mm. Yeah. In favor of five senses, um kinds of uh excursions mm. okay yeah. and three-dimensional um adherence to three dimensions mm. that's that's the norm we are, have created norms around so many things and and that's also a large part of the western world is is definitely under that um 
yeah that's how how it still is because it's also been like that for generations lost connections with with nature with themselves and uh, like a deep culture and that has happened not because people are it's like almost like people have had no choice it's like a survival mechanism as well because it's it's like an in, uh, integrated fear to go against that um, yes and also because everybody is controlled through the the money magic system what um, mm -hmm. Michael Tellinger calls the Babylonian money magic mm -hmm. system yeah identifying precisely that portion of the world that you're talking about because a lot mm -hmm. was going on there that was some was positive and some was very very negative and so you know in some senses we have to look take a look at all of it now and say mm -hmm. what is actually being depicted here and do we want to be with that goddess or that god or mm -hmm. you know um so when everybody gets enslaved into a monetary system mm -hmm then the pressure is on and there's no time or energy to be open to anything except for making money so you can eat mm. survive the, yeah when you take the land away from farmers or make it so that they can't do the barter and exchange that they used to do to keep themselves alive and you know it's um it's really taken the power away from human people mm. Yeah, definitely. And also re recently, um, I was doing a internship for UN Women, and um, we had women, the indigenous women of the North, uh, speak about the importance of the wisdom and knowledge that women hold in these indigenous cultures to pr preserve uh, the nature, and and that, like when all the power has been given away or taken from women uh, it's it's really become very uh, unhealthy and and we've forgotten maybe that's why also i'm thinking about something that you have spoke is, is uh, spoke about when it comes to uh, the mother which came before everything so we focus for a couple of years on different uh, archetypes of a woman. And, uh, and it, this doesn't mean that all women will be physical mothers. It's not that, but it's uh, that we are all connected. Women are 100% connected back womb to womb. Like it's womb to womb to like how far back we don't know if maybe from the universal womb who just uh, somehow created the physical womb um and i think that's so powerful and the, and and you work with that system as well i think that we see that how the imbalances outside of us have created so much imbalances within us and i just I actually just graduated with a master's in sexual and reproductive health and rights. And uh, and that's also a really important topic when it comes to how uh, healthcare has also disempowered women. We have also women going through different reproductive issues and um, disconnected. And you've done a lot of work around that. What, what do you think is important uh, 
to work because now you're you're also connecting us in in this new program to the Christ Sophia uh, and that whole wisdom. Like, how does all of this come together with the womb work and right, right. Well, um, one of the bodies of knowledge that I've studied and and become certified to teach in is the holy womb chakra Mm -hmm. system that um, a Hindu saint named Sri Kaleshwar kind of retrieved from the ancient manuscripts and brought into the modern day um, in the early 2000s. He, He crossed over and had his samadhi in 2012 at 36 years old, but prior to that, he consolidated these teachings about the Holy Womb Chakra. The Holy Womb Chakra being part of it, but also its own thing, separate from the second chakra, and also a universal chakra that um, that exists, you know, in in the astral plane or in the universal sense of it that belongs to what he called mother divine and that you know mother divine is the supreme creative energy of the universe and you know he talks about the relationship of the the various universe origin stories that you know one is a of mother divine one is shiva one is you know but it all comes down to that really the, the the mother the mother womb is the center of everything and in the ancient gnostic material you see that sophia is considered um the womb you know the womb goddess the womb wisdom i call her the womb wisdom of all creation so she is a, a manifestation of this divine mother energy and so a lot of the teachings that, that I've been um, sharing with others through the Holy Womb Chakra teachings that I offer is to help people get back in touch with their wombs through a system of mantras or sacred chants and yantras, sacred drawings. And through working this process of these sacred Sanskrit chants, you bring a vibration into your life and you're able to clear heartache you're able to clear energies from previous partners. You're able to clear energies of unwanted touch, et cetera. And what he calls purify your womb so that it can be empowered, you know, connected again, back up with mother divine, because it's basically a replica of mother divine and that you can do magical things with it, like create sacred children, um, like do healings, like, you know, do other kinds of magical work and so forth. So this is an important part of what's been missing is, you know, the mystical attention to the womb, the energetic attention to the womb. We've just got the medical establishment that where it's all about, you know, the three-dimensional womb and what you do with it, what you don't do with it, childbirth, blah, blah, blah. But he's got a whole bunch of... um, mantras that you can also use before, during, and after childbirth. And that that lends a magical blessing and uh, benefaction 
to the birth process or the coming out of the mother process, as you would say, coming from the mother. And so these are part, these are pieces of what we all need to put together again. And, and the Sophia Christ consciousness is really, you know, the unification of the masculine, feminine, divine power that is described as, you know, Sophia, feminine, Christ, masculine. The, those are just two terms that can be used. You can use Shiva Shakti, you know, whatever it is. But this particular, when we talk about Christ Sophia consciousness, we're also talking about the evolution of the human heart, you know, and the the connecting really up of the whole entire um, template or the original divine human template. That's what we're aiming to awaken here. And so it's a pathway of love. It's a pathway of consciousness. And I do believe that the beings of the great time of Avalon were ultimately at, at the foundation, were connected with this, and that this is what we are needing to connect back up with again. So we are resurrecting these energies in their, in their clear way for the now time, the critical now time, where so much um, negativity is going on, so much attempting to control humanity, we really all have to become very conscious now. And that's why I'm teaching about Guinevere and Arthur now and how they connect with Mary, Jesus, and the Magdalene. That's amazing. And when will the course start this? Uh, um, yeah. yeah. It begins live June 15th, 2022. And we have four live classes, um, four Wednesdays in a mm. row. And it will be available in replay for anyone who can't see it live and for anybody who's listening or watching after that window has been yeah. completed in July, it will remain on the Seven Sisters Mystery School site as an on-demand course. And you just go to seven, S-E-V-E-N, sisters, plural, mysteryschool.com. And you can always find it under the drop-down menu for online courses. Mm, I will link to that in the show notes for everyone. And yeah. what else are you offering that is, I, I know, but you can <laughs> tell the listeners. Oh, I mean, my goodness. Um, the other thing that we have going on live is the monthly mm. Mother Mary Love and Empowerment Circle. And that's a very profound experience and process the third thursday of every month mm. we join together on zoom and that that has been going deeper and broader where we where i bring in the energies of mother mary and do a transmission that is a journey or meditation um, or process with her that mm -hmm. she's bringing us each month i do a different theme and that's followed by some group sharing and then an oracle by me in answer to other people's questions that's um, inspired by Mother Mary. So that's a wonderful thing for a very low subscription price. Mm -hmm. People are interested in that. You can also find that on the either online courses or it's on the homepage now of Seven mm -hmm. Sisters Free School. Um, so those are the two live things right now. Of course, I offer private one-on-one -on -one sessions and <clears throat> um, we, we have a bundled package of, of 
courses called Mastering Mary's Holy Womb Mysteries mm-hmm. program. So that consolidates the Holy Womb Chakra teachings I was talking about, a deep course on the Mother Mary mystery teachings, and some other things on divine birth and the and the womb, uh, the womb of creation. Um, and then that has a live three times a year component that I offer, which is coming up in July, actually. Mm. End of July, that clat, that uh, live call will be coming up with that package. And I will shortly be um, starting to offer a mentoring program along with that so that people can mm. really come in and integrate the material uh, and be a little bit guided in a way that makes sense for them. So those are just some of the things. There, there are other things, but those are the headlines of what we're offering. That's amazing. Um, everything sounds so wonderful. And I will. Uh, we will have all the links in the show notes here if you're interested. Anyone who's listening, I can highly recommend Marguerite. She's so, uh, I mean, you're, you have a mix of everything when it comes to knowledge and wisdom intuitive but also you have the facts and I love the book that I'm reading right now as well and I'm looking forward to reading everything else that you've uh, written but Mary and these miraculous conception and the lineage of virgin birth is so interesting and I think it's really expanding our consciousness so I really want to thank you for your work and your energy and everything that you're doing in the world. It's so important. And I'm really grateful that I have connected with you. Oh, yes, you're welcome. And thank you, Shireen, for, yeah, this has been, you know, several decades being woven together of, mm-hmm. of my explorations on many dimensions, as well as my my 10 years of, of uh, directing Seven Sisters Mystery School. Mm-hmm. It's 10 years now, 2022. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of threads that are now being woven together (laughs) in an ever more um, intriguing tapestry, shall we say. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, I really appreciate you today and everyone who wants to uh, check out Marguerite's website and all the programs. You have the links. And connect with us if you have any questions after this on Facebook or Instagram or email. And thank you so much, Marguerite, again. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Bye for now. Bye.